Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, friends. Welcome to Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Today on the podcast, Jeremy Wells, a New Zealand TV, actually a New Zealand media icon, I'd say. This guy's been around forever. If you're old enough to remember him as Newsboy from the Havoc and Newsboy days, if you're younger, maybe you know him from the Radio Hauraki Breakfast Show, or maybe you know him from uh, Seven Sharp with Hilary Barry at 7 o'clock on weeknights. Lovely guy, and it's an honour to have him on the show. He loves running. If you live in central Auckland, especially around the Ponsonby area, you'd know that because you see him running around. Some days he goes real fast, other days he's a bit slower. You look down, you see the knee brace, and you go, oh yeah, he's battling. He's battling today. The knee's flared up. But that's Jeremy Wells. He's a fascinating man. So interesting. Uh, so honest. A lot of people you speak to when they get to a certain level in the media, uh, they become more guarded and more filtered. But absolutely not Jeremy Wells. Nothing off limits. And actually, uh, when I got to the end of the chat with him, I said to him, listen, if you if you have you know, remorse or regret and there's anything you want taken out, uh, just let me know and I'll um, cut you some slack. And he said to me, um, he goes, no, that's not how these things work, are they? He goes, "Uh, you know, whatever you've got there, you can do what you want with it. And um, I appreciate that. It's so candid. And I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. I did mention in an earlier episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey that I'm I'm looking for some sponsors, hoping to get some uh, cash rolling in so I can start growing this thing. It's like a hobby. It's a passion project. (laughs) <laughs> but it is um, it is working out to be a little bit more work than what I intended. So I've realised that to grow this thing and to get it to where ultimately I want it to be, I don't know when, six months, a year, a couple of years, that is going to require some money and some extra help from other people. So I do have a sponsor on board, the very first official sponsor for Runners Only with Dom Harvey. They approached me and I'm stoked and I'm honoured by that. Uh, especially since it's a brand that I love and respect and have used for many years myself. Triumph and Disaster. Yeah, it's a men's skincare range set up by uh, former Black Cap Dion Nash maybe uh, 10 or 11 years ago in the early days of TND. I got given some for free and uh, there's been no turning back since. Well worth it. So no obligation, no pressure, but if you want to support the people that support the podcast, Triumph and Disaster, check them out in all good department stores. They've got a shop on Ponsonby Road or they've got their stuff online. And ladies, if you're looking for a gift for the man in your life, your brother, your dad, whoever, Triumph and Disaster, they do this great little uh, travel kit, which is really good. Almost like sample-sized products of um, a few of the things they do. So thank you very much. Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Triumph and Disaster. All right, let's go. We're into it this week. I have a confession to make. I did make a slight F up with Jeremy Wells. This unfortunately means you won't get to hear the theme song this week. Because I wasn't recording in the beginning of the interview. Some people will be um, relieved about that if the feedback's anything to go by. But it also means we missed out on maybe the first three or four minutes of the conversation, which is unfortunate because Jeremy and I were talking about his um, relationship with his partner who was in the house, Tulsi, who he's been with for over 20 years, and just how they, how they met, how they fell in love, and how their relationship has evolved over the years. And it was a wonderful, candid moment. And I'm spewing that I missed it. I didn't even say anything at the time. I just um, like reached down to my podcast unit and hit the record button just to keep the conversation going. Anyway, thank you for joining us for another episode of Runners Only. Enjoy Jeremy Wells. 
Since the podcast is called Runner's Own, there's so, there's so much I want to discuss with you because it's been um, such a varied career that you've had and it just seems to be going from strength to strength. So we'll cover all that off. Um, but we've got to talk about the running thing first because it's um, a lot of people wouldn't even know this about you, but you, you, you do run on a regular basis. Anyone that lives in sort of central Auckland, Ponsonby would know that because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're like me, you're, you're very, very tall. So when, when Jeremy Wells is running, you see Jeremy Wells running. So how long, why did, why did you start? Was it a fitness thing? can't even remember. Like, I, I remember when I started running would have been in about two th- Oh, well, when I was a kid, I was forced to run because we used to have cross-country at school, and I, I hated it. I was always okay at it, but I, I, I used to loathe it. Like, the mm. cross-country date would be coming up, and I get nerve, I get butterflies in my stomach. Why, because you were, you were good, or you were near the front, no, or no, you just no. hate, just because you hated it? I was, never, I was never good, but, I mean, it was something... I wasn't bad, but yeah, I was never yeah. good, and I certainly never trained. I, I liked playing cricket and... Rugby and tennis and mm. golf and sports like that. I was never into sports where you and probably less so rugby of all the sports. Like sports where you had to be fit. That was not. I like sports where you could talk. <laughs> and and so that yeah, the running for me was like that. Just seemed like a lot of exertion. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until I was probably in my mid to late twenties when all of a sudden I just thought, I think I'm just going to go for a run. And then I went for a run. How are you going? It's quite hot. In here, Jeez, I, I had a coffee before I came here. I'm, I'm sweating a little bit. Don't mind me, though. <laughs> you Looks like you've been for a run. Um, yeah, so I, and I just started running, and I thought, oh, this is quite good. And I actually started to feel good. Oh, that's right. No, I remember why I started, because I was giving up smoking. Right. That's right. And I thought to myself, I need to do something that's the opposite of smoking, and then I'll feel better about giving up smoking. And if I get fitter, then that's another reason why I won't want to smoke. I won't want to... Like having a cigarette to me, being a smoker and a and a runner is a weird. I know a couple of people who smoke and run. I was mm. like, that to me seems really counterintuitive. But but I do know a few people who do it. But for me, if I I thought if I run, I won't smoke. Yeah, right. And right. it worked actually. And then I sort of just started running. And I started feeling quite good about it. Mm. And I've I've pretty much run ever since. Really, you you run uh, most days. I would say I, yeah. I see you around most days. Yeah, I do. I, yeah. I go through periods of of running more than other times. But I, I probably run. Four days out of seven. Right. I like to have a bit of a break every now and then because I'm getting a bit old and I think I try and listen to the body. And if it's mm. sore, that's a sign either that I need to change my shoes or that I'm doing a little bit too much running. Yeah, yeah. And there's always the challenge with running because you always, I always want to – I put a – I have an app that I run with and it's, you know, a timing app. And I use Map My Run. I don't know why. It's because it's the first thing that I started using. And – it tells you, you know, how you're going with your Ks and stuff. And I, I, I'm quite competitive with myself, weirdly. But of recent times, and I was wanting to get my times better, but of recent times I've actually just been occasionally going, why am I, I'm not going to take that with me. I'm just going to run. Like yesterday I just ran without anything. And without headphones, actually. It's quite good sometimes, I'd just be in tune with the body. Yeah. No, I found it quite good because I hadn't run for three weeks so I had a bit of a dodgy calf. So I actually found it, I found it quite good. There was no pressure to be faster. I just thought I'll just go. I'll just go and get through this six k run. Mm. How how big is you? Oh, six k's. Do you do like the same block every time? Are you sort of a creature of habit, or do you sort of mix it up a bit? No, well, I've learnt from experience now that the best thing to do is not to do the same thing all the time because you get injured if you do the same thing over and over. So I mix up the run lengths and then I mix up the run routes. Mm. Uh, I've got a six k. I've got an eight k. I've got a 10K and I've got a 12K. 
and I sort of mix wow. up the lengths at any given time. Right. But I don't generally run much more than twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you probably don't need to. I mean, if you're just doing it for the like the health benefits, then um, that's probably plenty long enough. It feels like plenty long enough, and I find <laughs> that if I run much longer than that, I start to get. I, I mean, I get fitter. There's no doubt about that. But I start to get a little bit sore, mm. and I'm not a competitive runner in terms of I don't I don't want to do marathons or half marathons or anything like that. I only do it because. I enjoy it, and I've always found that when I'm running, I have my best ideas, and I, I never have a negative thought about myself if I'm running. I've only just come to realise that in the last couple of years. I just realised. Oh, How do you mean, like during during the run or like afterwards? During or, the run, yeah. So right, when right. I'm running, I never think. I never think. Oh, why did you do that before? That was a stupid question to ask, or you know, why did I say this? Or I wish I never did a story on that. Or why did I? You know, I don't look back on things that I've done in my life and think, oh, that was that was a mistake. Whereas normally if I'm just sitting down by myself, I'll have a tendency to go over things and start raking over the coals. And there's right. quite a few coals up there. Yeah. You know. That, yeah. Oh, we've, all, we've, all got, yeah we've all got coals up there. <laughs> Lots I prefer of coals. not to rake over them if I can. Yeah. But when I'm running, I find I never – if I rake over them, I tend to find a solution rather than just going down into mm. a spiral. Yeah, but sometimes with the coals that you rake over, though, there there is no solution. No, you just have to like learn from it and do better, and promise yourself not to do it again. Yeah, well, well, yeah, but do you do you ever get to that point? I mean, when you're running, for example, are you raking over the coals? You've got quite a lot of coals to rake over. Yeah, 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 yeah much yeah. like me. Much like, yeah, yeah. Um, I do actually. Yeah, I. Yeah, I rake over the coals, and uh, I do have negative thoughts about myself when I'm running, which do is you? terrible. I'm envious of you. Do there. you? Yeah. God, and you run for a long time. Like that. <laughs> there's a lot of coals. <laughs> for me, I find like the, the, there's the physical benefits of running, but also the, like the mental health benefits as well. How's your, your mental health been good over the years? You've never had any issues? Uh, I think everybody has their yeah. issues, and I, I've certainly had my issues, but nothing that hasn't been um, easily or reasonably easy to overcome. And I, I think mm. I've always felt if something's not going right or you don't, the coals are getting a little bit hot. Um, <laughs> then I have always gone back to health and exercise, and I've always mm. found that because oftentimes part of the all of my problems seem to be my own, of my own making. Yeah, it's either something that I've done, um, or too much of something. You know mm. what I mean? And yeah. I've, I've gone down a you know bit too much substance abuse, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And then I've like, and if you get the balance wrong every now and then, and then in those situations, I've always found if you go if you eliminate all of those things, you eliminate the exterior crap, and then you go back to eating good food, drinking lots of water, and uh, and doing a bit of exercise. I've always found, in terms of mental health, things generally come back. Your brain I've just been works. Lucky, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not sure whether that's a recipe for other people as yeah. well, but it's worked for me. Yeah, well, it make, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I, th- I think some people just have like a chemical imbalance in their brain, so yes. even if they do those things, they're still going to have, have have issues. Yeah, not everyone. Well, I don't think I've got a, I've got a chemical imbalance, but I'm not sure that it's um <laughs> it's not clinical. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh let, let's wind the clock way back. So you're from an interesting family. I, I met your parents a few years ago. I was um an ambassador for the uh, World Masters Games, and I was at a function at Government House um, with the Governor General and. Um, your, your dad came up to me and we were having a conversation and he asked what I did and I told him I was on radio and he said, you might know my son. And uh, it, it was you and, and it, it really, really surprised me. Your, your dad's like a sir. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and your mum's a lady. Yeah, well, that, that he hasn't always been a, a sir and she hasn't always been a lady. I mean, they, they were, you know, I don't, I, I don't, it's, it's weird even now when, when 
if ever I see, you know, my dad's name in print anywhere or my mum's name in print, it always seems quite unusual to see, you know, that title. Um, and you certainly don't ever think of your parents as Sir, Sir Dad. No, you don't ever think of them like that. So, but I think that was a that was a nice thing to happen to him particularly. Oh. And and my mum has had you know awards and accolades. She's done a lot of work in netball, um, and um, and she's been honoured for for that sort of stuff as well. And and both of them were quite heavily involved in sport. My dad, in terms of administration, sport administration. Mm. Uh, he had a lot to do with the setting up of Sport New Zealand. Well, he was called Spark at the time. Him and um, some other people, including Sir John Graham, wrote a report and said, look, all of this funding needs to be changed so we can streamline this. And they did a lot of research in terms of what had happened over in Australia mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. And so they streamlined mm-hmm. the sports funding agencies. Right. And uh, and I think he did that for quite a long time and yeah. obviously gave a lot of his... A lot of his time, and and it was and it, it all worked out quite well. I mean, it was reasonably successful and good for New Zealand sport, as far mm. as I'm aware. Absolutely, yeah. So I think that was you know fear in that situation that that he was he was given. Then I was very proud. When as a very high achieving family, so there's there's you, you've got one brother, right? Yep. And he's a commercial lawyer. So your, your parents are very successful. Your brother's successful. You you must have been a worry for a while. <laughs> <laughs> With all due respect, I but they must. I'm, I'm, no, I'm sure they're inc- uh, incredibly proud of you now. Like you've, you know, you've got a nice house and a nice family, and you're, you're very, very successful. But uh, you must have been a cause of concern in those uh, in those young years, well, those teen years. I, I think I was definitely. I know I was a con- cause of concern, and yeah, my my brother's a a lawyer, and he's he's similar but quite different to me, and was always in the top class at school and. I don't even remember my parents telling him off. Actually, he's such a he's such a nice person, my brother. Very studious, um, and then I wasn't like that at all, to be honest. But I, I think that's always the case, isn't it, with siblings? And you probably find this as well. It's like you you find a way that's not the same as everybody else. Like, show me a family where two brothers or two sisters or a brother and a sister are the same. I don't, I don't think that exists. I mean, mm. I look at my own children; they're so they're so different. Yeah, it's crazy. They can, and what one is, the other one isn't. Yeah. And in, in, in every aspect of everything. And so, yeah, definitely growing up, I gave them some. I gave them some headaches, yeah. particularly, you know, one particular moment in time. I think I was, you know, it would have been my late or mid teens, mid to late teens. Was was I was really kind of experimenting with things that, that probably weren't. Didn't make them feel particularly comfortable. What are you? T- is it cannabis or? Well, heavier? yeah, there was a, there were, I was expelled at, from Wanganui Collegiate for um, the fact you're at boarding. No, were you always going to go to boarding school, or did they send you away? No, they, sent, they really sent me away. To be honest, right. yeah, I was yeah. in Auckland until the end of um, year eleven, and then there was a bit of marijuana that was discovered <laughs> over a holiday period, and next thing you know, I was being whisked away. So. <laughs> that was kind of a weird time in my life. I don't. Like, weirdly enough, every now and then I look back on it and I think, God, that was weird, wasn't it? Were, were, you, were you really into the marijuana, or was it like an act of rebellion? Do you think, in hindsight, I don't think it was an act of rebellion. I, I just, I, I remember the first time I had it, and I thought, oh, this, I just laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> that was such a good time. And then you didn't. I felt I didn't have a hangover the next day, and and it actually opened my mind to a whole lot of ideas and things, and and. Music sounded a particular way, and I was into music, and 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 I thought, oh, this is this is quite interesting. This is I feel completely different. This is a different way of, of this, this different consciousness. I, I and then then probably 
I became a little bit probably too focused on it. But I think for my parents, <laughs> who were very conservative, you know, they were they'd never they've yeah. never smoked marijuana. In fact, none of their friends had, and they'd never seen it. And so for them, it was like, oh my god, my child's going to be a heroin addict. This is. Oh this yeah, is, my mum was like, yeah the whole gateway thing. Oh, oh, it's a gateway. Well, that was the that was the that was the thinking of the time. Yeah, yeah. And and so they they freaked out pretty much, and I can understand that. From they were they were ignorant. They didn't understand really what was going on. Yeah. And so they thought the best thing to do was to send me down to Wanganui, where there'd be no marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they thought it was a big city thing. <laughs> So, oh, bless them. I know, I know. That's, that's the thing. Oh, they were they were doing what they thought was the right thing, yeah. and in the yeah. end, I'm 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 happy that they did what they did because look, everything worked out well in the end. And and I think you know I'm a big believer that whatever decisions and whatever things you go through in your life, they lead you to the point that you're at. And if you take out some of those things and you look back and you say, well, I I regret this moment and I take this out. Mm-hmm. Well, you unless. If you're not happy with where, if you're happy with where you are at this given time, then you can't take anything from your past out. Yeah, it would have altered your entire life. Absolutely. And so, I, ultimately, that was good that they sent me away. But yeah. they discovered, will I do the same thing again? I think I'd have to. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. They'd hate. Hopefully, they don't hear this because that would uh, really upset them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you haven't learned a lesson. You so, haven't learned your <laughs> lesson, and you're 45. So they, so they, they send you to um, Wanganui Collegiate, and then um, you, you, you managed to get yourself expelled from there for for drugs again. At this stage, they must have been just. Freaking out! Oh, it was terrible, and it was it was bad. It, it genuinely. What, what happened? Oh, it was gen- It was terrible. The whole thing is is, is embarrassing. We and don't bad. have to go there if you don't want. Oh no, I don't mind. No. I don't mind going there. It's just it's the past is the past, and it, it's I can't pretend that it didn't happen because it did happen. I, I'd actually been that whole year after smoking a bit of pot, probably in fifth form, uh, and and being kind of into it, but nothing crazy. I mean, we're talking. Sort of a bit of weekend use here and there. Sure. No, nothing unusual for the time. I was certainly just doing exactly what everybody else was doing around me. Mm. Uh, then going down to Wanganui, and, and I was at boarding school at that stage, so you couldn't smoke marijuana, and so I didn't. And I and I also kind of believed the line that maybe it wasn't good for me, and mm. and, and I think it probably wasn't. It's not great for your brain when you're younger. Not, it doesn't yeah, help. developing brain, it's no good. No, and, and I, yeah. I, I think that's a fair thing, a fair assumption. And then... So I didn't smoke it, and, and actually it was a good year for me. I, I met lots of interesting people, and I had a good time. And um, I, all of a sudden I, I was doing my homework at night, because you have to at, at boarding school and do prep and stuff like that, and and I did quite well at school. And I was like, oh, actually, that's well, this is unusual, because um, I hadn't been doing that well before then. And, uh, and the end of the year came, and... Um, and we went away to, you had these different choices of places that you could go to, to, to do community service because in sixth form in those days, you remember your exams used to finish quite early and yeah. you just had nothing to do because it was internally assessed. So I knew my marks, everything was sussed and then they want to keep you at school at Wanganui instead of sending you home. So they send you away and, and you had we had a choice. Well, I remember my choices being, there must have been more choices, but I, I remember mm-hmm. my choices being... Um, a rest home, like where you could go and do work in a rest home for a week in Wanganui. And so we'd stay at, we'd stay at school and then go to a rest home every day and, and look after people. My experiences that at that point of rest homes were both uh, of my grandmother and also my great uncle. And I, I I just remember the smell. I was like, I don't like rest homes. Mm. The other choice was uh, Lake Alice. 
Oh yeah, the um, yeah, the mental hospital. Down That's there. right. Yeah, that was yeah. your uh, that was your other option right. of going there and doing community service. Look, the stories of the guys from the year before who'd been to Lake Alice were not positive. Mm. There was stuff about knives and penises and all sorts of weird <laughs> things that were going on there. And as it turns out, there was a lot of very strange stuff going on there. But yeah. anyway, that's yeah. another story. And the other option was the NSAD Drug Treatment Centre in Martin, which was a drug rehab centre. And with my history in that area, I thought, oh, this is actually, I'd be quite interested to meet some some people who are in this situation. And uh, and this way as well, it was in Martin, you could stay in a motel, and there were no teachers with us. And I thought, oh, this is great, I get to go away from boarding school, we can, we can at night time when we go back from, from doing the community service at the, at the rehab centre, we can do whatever we want, this is awesome, we can take some alcohol and drink. End of the year, and I thought, you know what, I could, we could even smoke a bit of pot, why not? <laughs> so, I organised... <laughs> Through someone at school to get a cap of hash oil yeah. and took that away. And I think we'd been there for maybe three days. The opportunity hadn't really arisen to sort of have it at that stage. And then one day, I think it would have been the Wednesday, I was about to go home and one of the patients, patients they called themselves patients, and they, they said to me, oh, I heard you've got some marijuana. And I was like, no, I don't have any marijuana. And then they said, oh, well, that's not what one of the other guys, one of your other friends has told me. And I was like, no, that I, I haven't really. And he goes, well, he told me that you've got it in your wallet. And I was like, <laughs> no. And I said, no, no, I didn't. I left it at home, blah, blah, blah. He goes, well, you've got your wallet? I was like, no, no, I haven't got it. And he goes, you're not lying to me, are you? And I was like, no, no, I'm not. He goes, if you find out you're lying, it's sort of it was going down a line. Right. And He's trying to corner you. Well, he just... He really wanted that weed. He did want that weed. And he I even remember him saying to me, you don't know what it's like. I've been here for six months. I haven't smoked weed for six months. It just it won't be anything. And I was like, oh. So in the end, after I was, I was saying, no, I don't want to give marijuana to a, you know, anybody or here. Someone that, in recovery. Yeah, that would yeah. be bad. <laughs> uh, he's, like, he's like, I'm here for marijuana, man. I mean, it's not like it's addictive. It doesn't matter. I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And I did have some kind of... I did have morals, mm. and I knew it was wrong. And then ultimately, he kind of it was it got reasonably threatening. And I was just like, okay, I don't want this problem anymore. And I threw it on the ground, and I said, if you want to pick it up, pick it up. I don't want anything to do with it. I wish I didn't even bring it. Mm. And um, he did. He picked it up, and then he had it. And, of course, at a rehab centre, when you are stoned, you really do stand out because there's a lot of sobriety. <laughs> So I went home knowing I'd done something that was not good, but I'm thinking, well, at uh, least I kind of feel like my conscience is slightly clear. I mean, I, I put it on the ground, and it was like, if I didn't want to give it to him. I certainly didn't come here with the intention of giving this to anybody. And then anyway, he had it. Then, then everybody sort of knew about it. And the next morning I came in, and man, just the disapproving looks, because he clearly told everybody about what had gone on, <laughs> and people were just shaking their heads, and then... And I realised immediately, I was like, oh, this is bad. You're fucked this up. is bad. Yeah. I stood up and just one by one, just people just laid into me and I was in tears. It was this horrific experience. They just said, how dare you do yeah, this? Right. And right. fair enough. I mean, they were frustrated. Yeah. And and also they thought, who is this guy? And who was I doing that? It was just completely wrong. And I, I felt, you know, deep shame. And um, and I, I don't know if you, rem- you know, remember that feeling as a kid of standing up and when people just really you get that feeling of shame and you feel thin like a piece of paper. Mm. You almost feel like you're not there. Yeah, just the ultimate vulnerability. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. And then uh, in the end, 
the school deputy principal came and picked me up, drove me back. My parents flew down to try and like discuss with the headmaster how I sort of maybe might not get expelled. That didn't work. And then that was the end. I was expelled. They said, headmaster said, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll see you later. And then my parents said, okay, we'll see you later as well. We, you, you knew that you came down here because of that. You've disappointed us. And then they just they took off. I was just down there. I was stuck there. <laughs> the school bought me a train ticket to get back to Auckland, but I had nowhere to go. So I went back and stayed with a friend at Craven for for probably a month, and and got a job at a uh, at a dry cleaning right. outfit, Loving Care Maskell Street. Mm. Do you feel like that was um, like a turning point in your life? I mean, a lot of it was your fault, but also a lot of it wasn't. Like it, you know, that, it seems like you were bullied into into. Oh what, no, it was all my did. fault because I took I took. An illegal substance into a rehab centre. Maybe I'm going too easy on you. No, that was 100% my fault. But Mm. it was a 16-year-old, you know. I mean, a 16-year-old, you you do do stupid things. You don't think things through. And um, and I that was a stupid mistake. And then I remember going back on the train in the Northern, and I I I remember specifically thinking, yeah, I never thought I'd be expelled from school. I mean, I was not a bad, I was not bad kid, you know. Mm. I I was a I was I obeyed the rules, and I tried to be respectful. I was polite. And then I thought, oh, God, what do you do in this situation? I thought, you meant, do you kill yourself? Is that what you meant to do? And and wow. I was on this train. I remember having a cigarette. I was, used to smoke Marlboro Reds in those days. And I had a cigarette <laughs> at, the, at the front of the train. And I thought, I think you meant to do that. And I thought, well, unfortunately, I'm, I, have, I don't have enough guts that I could ever do that. Mm. But I was sure that was what you were meant to do. Mm. You know, and that would be the right thing that would put an end to any of the shame that you'd brought upon your family or any of that sort of stuff. As as you, I, I was going to say, as you get older, you realise that that's not the solution and that it's a storm <laughs> that that passes. But one hundred percent. But at the time, it's the first terrible thing that's really happened that you've done in your life, and uh, and you don't know that it's going to pass. You don't you don't know that. Mm. Uh, that was. I mean, I'm so pleased that I didn't do that. I I could never do that anyway. But um, yeah, that was. A, I just remember. I got to say, that was probably the lowest point mm. in my life. And then, um, so short, shortly after that, you, you, how did you and you and Mikey Havoc meet? I reckon I've got something in common with you, and that I've got like a almost like an encyclopedic knowledge when it comes to like useless information, trivia, and pop culture in New Zealand. <laughs> like uh, I could sit here with you for an hour and have a chat about the Ingham twins, and a lot of people listening to this won't even remember who the oh, Ingham, the Ingham twins, twins are. Oh, the Ingham twins. So I, I have a very, very fond memories um, of yourself and Mikey Havoc. Um, a lot of people won't even remember the amazing work that you guys did together on TV, but you were sort of like a, like a cool, edgy version of like Hamish and Andy or John Iron Ben or something. It was like just real innovative shit. I, I, I was on the edge then, um, and at the radio station in Palmerston North, and we were like, like cheesy pop culture stuff. And um, you guys were doing like everything that that I would have wanted to do, and um, <laughs> I was so in awe. Really? Yeah, com- completely. The stuff you were doing was just groundbreaking, innovative, and we were just doing fart jokes. <laughs> How did you guys meet? Because you were you, it was it was, a, it was an interesting sort of relationship, especially early on from the stuff I remember on TV. It was like um almost like a pen and teller vibe. How you know one of them one of them did most of the speaking havoc, and you were sort of a, a, you know a quieter sort of sidekick. Yeah, well, I, that's, I think that's a fair assessment of what it was. But we met through BFM, Student Radio in Auckland, and I went there and read the news. So I was doing a Bachelor of Communications at AUT at the time, and and uh, there were they, um, a couple of people from BFM came and, and did a lecture and said, you know, if anyone's interested in reading the news, then that'd be great. It's a good good training ground. And I thought, yeah, I'd like to, I've always loved radio because I loved radio growing up, and, uh, and I was into it. 
and his interview with him. So went along there, read the news, and then started reading the news in the in the midday slot, and then ended up reading breakfast news because in those days you'd start on the on the midday slot, and most people couldn't. Sentence, let alone it's terrible, <laughs> let alone a bulletin. Like, and I would have been shocking. I'd hate to hear it. It'd be awful. But then you don't have any tapes. No, 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 no. thank God, and none would exist. But, but then uh, started reading it on the breakfast show, and that was the pinnacle of breakfast radio and student radio. And at the time, reading the news on the breakfast show, and, and it was fun actually. And I and I that's where I met Mikey, and we got on well. And he was he was like a. He was like a force, like the, the most amazing person yeah. I, I'd ever met at that stage. So funny and so smart and so quick with So much energy as well, eh? Just so a ball of energy. energy. So much energy and so much charm. Like that guy was the most charming person that I'd ever met and, uh, and so cool. He was so cool. Yeah, and a lot of people won't remember this, but he 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 was uh, the charismatic singer of a band called Push Push. They yeah. had a, a massive song called Tripping. Yeah, um, and then he got into sort of media after that. Yeah, and I I'd remembered him from being the lead singer of Push Push and Tripping, which is a massive massive number one hit in about nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two, something like that. But then he'd had a se- and then he disappeared for a while, Mikey, and then he'd had a second life really as a as a radio DJ. Mm. On student radio and as a bar host and actually a, a DJ, and he, he was getting into dance music at the time, and and I remember going along to Squid, which was his bar in Auckland on O'Connell Street, and uh, and then because I'd read the news with him, he'd like you know give me like he'd, he'd get me a give me a bourbon and coke, and I was like, wow, see, I know the guy who <laughs> I know the DJ. This is a, this is a great moment. And uh, and we got on we got on incredibly well and uh, and it sort of started from it started from there and I think then I started reading the news more often and then ended up doing that and thinking well this this bachelor of communications doesn't seem like much fun for me anymore and then luckily the next week Mikey had met up with Neil Roberts who was former head of TVNZ or TVNZ at the time and he was just bought MTV. Uh, the format for MTV over in uh, in the UK, and he was bringing it to New Zealand, and he wanted shows, and he said, you know, would you, Mikey, would you be interested in a show? And Mikey immediately put a proposal to him on this crazy show called Havoc. Actually, I think he called it something else. He had some brilliant name for it, and then Neil said, no, no, it's got to be called Havoc. It's got to be named after you. And um, and then uh, Mike said, would you like to come and work on it as a researcher? And I was going to be a researcher, and then ended up being on air, and just sort of, uh, originally I was just going to sit there, and every now and then say something, and maybe mainly make soda streams for people, and that was the, that was the idea. And then I ended up sort of saying more, but I still didn't really say much, and I was really not that comfortable with being on TV. I was like, this is all a bit weird, especially at that age. And but in the end, um, yeah, we we then got other shows, or traveling around New Zealand shows, and it was a lot of fun. It was loose, man. Like it was so loose. The stuff you were doing, it was just so innovative. Well, that was so Mikey. Good. That was that was Mikey was just amazing. I mean, he he had so many ideas. That guy, ideas. He just farts ideas mm. for breakfast. And and then he met Paul Cassley at the time, and those two working together was like they had an amazing chemistry, uh, creative chemistry. Mikey was had crazier ideas. Paul was was very disciplined and quite structured, but totally got Mikey and immediately recognised his talent. Mm. 
and together those guys. It was Mikey and Paul that made havoc, and then we and then we did the sellout tour, which is a different. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Where we traveled around the country. Oh, is that where you went to Gore? That's where we went to Gore. That's, um, some people might remember that. If you want to find it, it's probably on YouTube as well. What did you call it? Like greedy, greedy old gay man's gore. Well, the reason <laughs> that it even happened, was we, did, we didn't even want to do a piece to camera and, a, and the producer, the director just said, look, we're driving past the brown trout. Do you mind just stopping and doing a piece to camera? And we're like, we were always looking to not do anything. Right. You know, that was our main thing, was driving around the country. We liked the driving around the country, but talking. We didn't really like having to get out of the car and do stuff. So we... We, which is just ridiculous, but the night before we'd been at the Miss New Zealand contest at the Working Men's Club in Dunedin, had a huge night and ended up hardly sleeping. And then the next day we were we were driving down to Invercargill, down to Slope Point, the most southern point of New Zealand. And on the way, drove past Gore and and Dave Slade, the director, said, "May as well, as he goes, we'll set up a shot here. You may as well just come and cruise through." Like it had got to that point that Dave Slade was setting up shots, driving ahead, setting up a shot, and then saying. We've set it up. You won't even have to stop, really. You can stop. You can just walk into the shot, say something, and then bugger off. We're like, okay, so we did. And what we came up with is just a piece of crap. I mean, we were just crapping on about nothing, just really wasting time, thinking, we won't use this. We'll just keep Dave Slade happy, and we'll drive off. You know, when Dave Slade then started cutting something up and, and got us in the edit suite and said, I've cut this thing about gore, and I don't know, either it's really good or it's terrible. I can't work out what it is. And then we watched it, and I was like, wow, that is a weird sort of piece of TV. But then when it played out, I didn't think anything was going to happen. But then turns out, of course, everybody in Gore watches TV too when they talk about Gore. But the only thing that happened was we just <laughs> sat by the bloody trout and just said that it was the gay capital of New Zealand, which yeah. it clearly was not. No, oh yeah, ab- absolutely. But you, you sort of insinuated that it's um, yeah, the, the, the capital of closeted uh, yeah, gay men or something. And the funny thing is that um, I don't think he was living there at the time, but um, a good friend of uh, yours and mine, Mike Peru, yeah. Um, yeah, he would have been in Hamilton at the time, but he was from Gore and, and he was closeted gay at the time. <laughs> I know. He said to me, he goes, oh, you were speaking to me. Yeah, yeah. He goes, you're speaking directly to me. But yeah, the, it turns out then the mayor of Gore, Mary Og, she did not like being called the gay capital. She, And then went, and the next day it was a headline in the Southland Times, and the headline said, Gore Mayor reels at gay quip. And then it had a picture of her by the brown trout, and she said, "We are not the, we are not the gay capital. There are no gay people in Gore. That is not true, because it was 1998. You know, it was a different climate. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there wasn't. There, there, she may have had a point. There, 
there was maybe there were uh, maybe ten gay people in the Lower South Island at that stage, and it had only just become legal. <laughs> oh, come on! It had only just become legal. Seriously, good luck. And ask Mike Pru, good luck being gay in Southland yeah. in the nineties. In Cheapers, mm. creepers. You'd have to be very gutsy. Mm. It'd be. It's not like now. It's completely different. Yeah. Well, they're never going to turn the, the brown trout into a rainbow trout, are they? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I never thought of that. That was a brown trout. When, when you sort of like ambushed, or you went back to Gores years later and some shit hit the fan? Yeah, well, that was, it was 10 years later. and then 10 like, years? Ten, shit. 10 years later. And then we went back to cover the election, actually. Someone, some, someone at TVNZ thought, yeah, we'll get Jeremy involved in the election night coverage. He can go to Gore. And I... Didn't have the presence of mind to say no, so next thing you know, I was down there. And we went and shot some stories during the day, and everything was good, and then went back to the National Party headquarters, and I, I did a couple of live crosses from Bill English's headquarters in Gore, and then at the end of the night, it was like one in the morning by the time everything would packed up, and Hugh Sunday and I went into, into town with a couple of guys who were at the party, and uh, ended up everything was shut down, so we went to the BP to have a pie. That was a terrible mistake. Because gore on a Saturday night, <laughs> by about one o'clock, things get a little bit rough, and uh, people are looking for something to do because yeah, the bars are yeah. shut. So they cruise around in cars, and then basically, there was a guy that ended up arriving in this in the forecourt, and uh, he wasn't happy about what had happened ten years ago. <laughs> and he kept saying, he kept going, "You fucking calling me gay? You fucking calling me gay?" I was like, "No, I never, I never called you gay." <laughs> And he goes, I'm not fucking gay. I was like, okay, mate, you're clearly not gay. <laughs> All right, that's, that's fine. I never said you were. And, and then he was started pushing me, and then, oh, it was, and then it was terrible, actually. And I tried to get the forecourt attendant to, after about 20 minutes of this guy keeping on, he just kept going, going, going. Then said the forecourt attendant, do you mind kind of calling the police? I couldn't work out how I was going to get out. And in the end. That's terrifying. It was quite scary. Yeah, yeah. You know, I grabbed myself a, I remember a bottle of V, and I thought, in those days, the V used to come in bottles. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, ba- I while he was getting tucking into me I, and yelling at me, I, I grabbed, I managed to get to the, you know, with him in tow, I went to the to the fridge and grabbed myself a bottle of V, and I remember thinking, and bought it. And I remember thinking, if things go bad, I've, this is going to be my weapon. I'm going to need something. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah. wow. the guy was quite intense. He was really sweaty. And he had a craziness in his eye that was pretty full on. Definitely hadn't processed his um, sexuality yet, had he? Well, I don't know if he look, he might be listening. And I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't anyone know. that protests that much, there's got to be some some underlying. I think there was a bit of glass barbecue, right, going okay. on. And I and I was kind of told later on that there was that he was definitely a glass barbecue okay. enthusiast, a well known glass right. barbecue enthusiast. In other words, he. He was big into the into the methamphetamine. That's what I don't understand. It's like um, methamphetamine is going to keep you awake. If you're in a place like Gore, wouldn't weed? You know what I mean? Weed would make more sense. So, you know, you have a nice, pleasant sleep. Anything you want to do in Gore, you can do it in a day. You don't need to stay awake for days on end to get it done. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> true. I mean, you think maybe you'd go down the hallucinogen route or something that makes it a little bit different. But I, I think as well, it's, it's true though. It's massively prevalent, particularly through Southland. But I think it's just an yeah. escape. And it's everybody's looking to escape in one way or another. Mm. We might do it through running. We might do it through anything, and then it might be some alcohol or something. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, that's the only drug that they have access to because it's everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's a terrifying idea that you'd be that sitting is. inside a house and just smoking it for days and days and days mm. and not sleeping. That sounds like hell that's to me. Awful, yeah. 
So then after after the Havoc and Newsboy stuff, do you, you still get people yelling out Newsboy? Well, yeah, not so much I anymore. I will. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. I used to get a lot of Newsboy, where's Havoc? <laughs> and, and now I just get people just ask me where Hillary is now. It's quite interesting. There's always someone that someone's asking me where someone yeah. else is. Yeah. But, yeah, that sort of, um, occasionally, occasionally you'll hear a Newsboy. Mm. And that's, it's always, I always, it, it, that places that person. I'm like, okay, that person's that person's been around for a while. It's a certain age, yeah. Yeah. After that, you did um, a series of fantastic TV shows like Eating Media Lunch. What were the other ones? There's Eating Media Lunch. Uh, the Unauthorised History of yeah. New Zealand. Which is, we did four series of that, which is like a historical spoof. Are you concerned about um, someone drudging up any old clips and you being cancelled at some point? Or? I think there's been some attempts at that already, right. and. and and people are going to try and do that sort of thing. I'm no, I'm at peace with what I've done. And seriously, you're gonna, I mean, are you gonna get something that someone's done from 20 years ago? And, mm. and it does seem mean. It if it was, it was fine at the time, then that's maybe where it should remain. I, I feel like that's the case, mm. um, especially when you're dealing in the realm of satire or comedy or yeah. parody. But the other thing is, that I was in it, right? But you never know. Like other people wrote it, other people directed it, there were, uh, you know, when you look back on these things, like, does an actor that's a part of something, do they get cancelled for acting in something at the time? I mean, it seems like a very un- unusual thing to do, to go back and, I mean, people were working for whatever reason, and maybe maybe you needed to get money to live at the time, and so you had to act in a particular thing, and then we look at that now and think, well, in the context of 2022, that's not exactly what someone will do, so therefore we'll, we'll cancel that person. Yeah, now I suppose they'd go doing. for you because you've got the, the, the biggest target on your back. Well, I think that's what Easy that target. whole idea around cancel culture is about, isn't it? Right. It's like, who can get the biggest fish? The biggest scalp, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's scalping. This is the craziest thing. Like you've got a remarkable work ethic, like, and, and given, given your, your family's background and stuff, like, um, I've, I've talked about this with your co-host, who's a good friend of mine, Matt Heath. You, you could be a real asshole, like, you could be a real dick, but you're one of the nicest people, and, uh, and you work bloody hard as well. You do something that, um, only a few people have done. You work both ends of the day, like Paul Holmes, uh, he did that for a number of years, Breakfast Radio on the evening show. Um, Hosking did it for a few years, and now you're up to like doing those two two things for four years. Yeah, so everybody that ever does it goes crazy, or something, <laughs> or dies. Awesome. Do you find it exhausting, or are you coping okay with both? You manage no, both. I think I think when you first start doing it, certainly it's quite intense, and then over time, it actually just becomes normal, and then you go, oh, yeah. I think the, the the hardest thing is trying to get a balance, and you know what this is like, and I think everybody who's listening will understand this as well. I'm always trying to look for a balance. And when you're working a lot of your life, it's hard to get the balance right, particularly with, with kids and family. And I think the thing that I miss out on, the thing I feel worst about is definitely that I'm not ever at home for family meals, which right. are actually very important parts of a family. Oh, yeah, you'd miss both. You'd miss um, breakfast and the evening meal. That's right. Mm. And that's a big thing. And, and this week I haven't been doing TV, just been doing radio. And, and you know, the last couple of days it's been great. We're sitting around as a family you know, over dinner and chatting and, and it's like, oh, that's right, this is actually a really important mm. time. Because you establish the culture of your family basically around meals all yeah, the that's time. True. And so that's been that's been something that I that uh, that I haven't been able to do. Mm. And uh, and I don't get as much time to see my friends as what I'd like to, mm. to see. Um, so, yeah, the balance is a bit out of whack in terms of how much work that I do. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that the work is. It's not really work. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like turning up in the morning. I just got to turn up and be happy. 
you know, mm. and and be and be that's it. Mm. Just turn up with a good attitude. Yeah, and that's not uh, very hard. I suppose. Um, like what separates you from um, the the other people that we we mentioned, like Hosking and Holmes, is um, like their what they did fitted in together. Like they're both doing breakfast on Newstalk ZB and then both doing a current affair show in the evening. But the um, the juxtaposition between what you do in terms of your radio show, and what you do on your TV show, it's almost like two different Jeremys in a way. Yeah, well, I've heard people I've heard people suggest that, but to me. Hasn't everybody got different parts to their personality? I mean, of course, depending on who you're having a conversation with. Yeah, that's right. And I kind of see it that way. I, I think in the morning, I feel like I'm having a conversation with a, a different group of people than I am at night. And both both groups uh, have particular things to them. Like, for example, the Seven Sharp is a is a very broad audience. Seven Sharp is there's a lot of children that watch Seven Sharp. Mm. And there's a lot of very old people that watch Seven Sharp, um, and uh, it's a, it's a very broad audience. So you've got to be you've got to be broad, you, and you're being invited. And in, it's different. Radio is different than than TV. When you're invited into someone's living room, you're a guest at their house. When you're invited into someone's car, you're not a guest in their car. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different thing. You can get away with saying things and doing things on radio that you can't do on television. And the other thing is that you've got you know people. It's dinner time. It's yeah, it's a completely different thing. So it's kind of like the the version that I that I take Seven Sharp is the same thing that I the same person that I am for my parents and grandparents and and more elderly people and children that I speak to. Mm. And yet I think in the in the morning on the radio, I just kind of am speaking probably to more my people my age, my yeah. friends. That, that makes that makes perfect sense, and um, both of them are authentic versions of yourself. But it's just um, changing your language for different audiences. Definitely, and I, I, some people might say, "Well, I am just this," and but I mean, I I don't know that many people who are like that. I, I think most people are reasonably multifaceted, and um, and I kind of feel like that. Also, radio, as you know, is so different than TV. Radio is, uh, I mean, the fact that they are just so different. The, mm. the type of the part of your brain that you use for radio is not the part of the brain that you use for television. It's a completely different part of your brain. Yeah. You guys you guys do a, a very good show. It's a very enjoyable show. The Matt and Jerry show on Radio Helder. It's a fant- fantastic show. Doesn't doesn't rate that well. No. no doesn't rate very no. well at all. It's, well, <laughs> that's so kind of you to say that. <laughs> it's one of those things that, that it's always, as, a, as like a radio lifer, it's always sort of puzzled me because it's like now – I, you know, you would sort of want to look under the bonnet and, and sort of like try and work out why it's not getting the ratings it deserves because well, it's a reckon, very good show. Why do you reckon that is? I don't know. Maybe it's the music. The music. Well, you can't I don't just know. blame the music. <laughs> when you're on the air, that's what you do. You, uh, the you music. have had huge radio success. You know probably more about radio than pretty much anyone in New Zealand. So that's a, that's a great compliment. You and Matt Heath, you're quite good friends before you work together. And how do you find that the friendships change? Because I've sort of found people I work with, you sort of – you see enough of them during the week that you sort of don't need to be friends with them outside of work so much. Yeah, we spend a lot of time together because not only were we doing a breakfast radio show, but for a long time we were also cricket commentating together. Uh, oh, that's so, right, the ACC. Yeah, we spent huge amounts of time mm. in a very, very small caravan together. But, <laughs> but Matt, is, Matt is one of the most interesting people that you'll ever meet. He's always got a line. He's always he's interested in everything. Mm. There's nothing that he's not interested in. And as a co-host, he's a fantastic person to work with because you always know you throw something at him. And not only can he communicate what he's thinking very, very effectively, so his his filter from brain to mouth is, is super slick, much like yours actually, is, is super fast, and he backs what he's going to say. He doesn't, he doesn't double 
think things. And he's so he's incredibly smart. So I'm I'm kind of lucky that I work with a co-host where you know when you can throw something at someone and you know they're going to come back with yeah, yeah. something that's great. Mm. You know that's a big part. Having trust in your co-host yeah. is really important. And also he's not going to he's not going to just shut something down straight away. He's not interested in shutting stuff down. He's interested in blowing things up mm. and seeing what's under and looking underneath them and seeing what's underneath them. And those sorts of people are so good to work with. Yeah. So I'm really lucky in that regard. And uh, and I always respected his his creative abilities. He's, a, he's got a lot of ideas, Matt. Yeah, he's a, a great human. If you had to give up one, one of them, like if you decide enough is enough, um, yeah, I want to have a meal at home with my family, well, which, which would you part with, I would radio never, or TV? I would never want to part with either. Yeah. But I think what happens is that radio is a different beast. You can go for a lot longer, as you know, on radio. You can you can go for years and years and years and years and years and and people like that familiarity in the morning, particularly. Um, so, I think what will happen in that oh, sorry, my dog, my dog just found your cat. Excuse us, podcasters. We'll be we'll be right back. <sighs> okay, we're back. Might edit that out, might not. I don't know. No, I think you want to probably leave that. What, what just happened there? It was quite a chaotic moment. Well, yeah. Um, Mavis just <laughs> sort of strolled her way down and then came across Kanye, your dog. She wasn't yeah. expecting to see that. That's yeah, God, sorry. I'm such a piece of shit. Come, come around to your house, bring my dog with me. He's very pleased with himself. He's chased away a cat. <laughs> He's probably about the same size as the cat, too. Yeah. So one day, um, TVNZ will get to a point where with that show they'll go, no, you can't do that anymore, and that's just the way that it works, mm. and you'll no longer do it. Whereas with radio, there's there's different radio stations that are all operating at the same time. It's a completely different thing. Yeah. Well, I think I'll just let that sort of happen the way that it happens, and no doubt it will happen a particular way. I haven't actually got any ideas around it. It would certainly be nice to wake up in the morning, as you've found out, not have to get up early and, and talk, but... At the same time, it's a great pleasure to talk to people, and I really enjoy it. Mm. I enjoy I enjoy the vibe in a studio when things are really fizzing along, and then people are coming in with suggestions, and it's like you kind of an idea just becomes it elevates it massively, and it create there's an energy sometimes that your radio show gets in the morning. Yeah, it's like you got this momentum, and you sort of feel like you're going somewhere. Yeah, it's a job like no other, right? When you leave that studio after having um, a really good morning, and you, you maybe may have one of those a week, two of those a week. Three, if you're real lucky, but you you know it's a it's just a just a incredible feeling. It's like yeah, we delivered today. Yeah, totally. And I, I think it takes a certain amount of concentration for three hours as well, and it takes a lot out of you. Mm. Like, yeah, uh, it's mentally exhausting. Yeah, and have a look at the people who have been doing it for long periods of time and what it turns people. It changes people. Mm. I mean, you know what this is like. And there was a, a people have suggested for the longest time. There's a thing called breakfast radio host syndrome. Mm. Uh, where people become very good at sending and not so good at receiving. They become like a fax machine on send. <laughs> and that's just years and years. Or, or you start talking to someone and, and they become, if after about two minutes they haven't got to their point, you're like, you need, to, you need to get to your point and we need to move on. 
Yeah, that that is that is a hundred percent true, and that's what I'm finding um, new and exciting and challenging about doing this podcast thing. It's like there's less time constraints. Like uh, yeah, we've been talking for like the best part of an hour now, yeah, and it's just you don't have, have to we? <laughs> you don't you don't have to interrupt people and get to the next question. No. Radio, if you're doing a live interview, sometimes you have to be quite brutal and rude. Yeah, it's quite intense. So your TV partnership as well with Hillary Berry. That's a surprisingly successful partnership. It seemed like a very odd couple when you guys were teamed up together. Um, and I, I don't know, it probably says a lot about both of you, actually, that you're able to gel and make it work. Yeah. It's, um, it's a very good thing you guys have got going on. Well, we get on well. And I was, I was you know, when I someone came and asked me, John Gillespie said, would you like to do this show? And Hillary's going to be doing it. And I immediately thought, absolutely, if I, if I can work with Hillary. Because in my opinion, and, and this is not, PR, in my opinion, she is the best broadcaster in New Zealand. I, I think, I think Mike Hosking is is also a great broadcaster, mm-hmm. but I think Hillary has a thing where people people don't love Mike Hosking. He's a he's a great broadcaster, but people people don't love him. Mm. Um, people love Hillary. They they yeah, love her. They when, I, when we go places, when we go places together, she uh, people come up and they hug her. She really connects with the audience in a way that I've never seen anyone else ever mm. connect. Mm. And people want to tell her about stuff and they feel like she's their friend. She's a beautiful connection with people. Mm. And also, on top of that, she's incredibly smart. She knows what she's doing. She's a complete pro. She's a great interviewer. I mean, and she's a love she's a great person to work with. She's got a great work ethic. I mean, embarrassingly good work ethic actually. She puts me to shame. Yeah, she's she's a pro. And if something goes wrong, she's one of those people like she just revels in the opportunity which arises when stories fall over or or, or something's not working. That's when she's at her best. That's when you know that someone's a good broadcaster Ooh. when things go completely because things go wrong all the time. And yeah. you'd never other people you'd would try and muck their way through it. Like she'll just hit it head on. And you see how real she is. She's 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 a fantastic person. I've learned a lot working with her. Yeah, and it's nice to see um, see sort of more of her. She was on TV three, and then, uh, but she was she was just a newsreader, though, wasn't she? Yeah, she, she was. was just, she was just doing news. I mean, you don't really connect with a newsreader because they're just reading the news. So it's been um, nice to see more of her, her personality. Yeah, well, she was on More FM as well for the longest time. That's with right, Kim with Kim and, and Corbett. Corbett. Yeah, and and before that, she actually started in radio. Uh, and the other great thing about her is she's a very giving, kind, thoughtful person. I mean, you can't fault her, actually, as a person. And, and she, where we went right in terms of our combination was that we, uh, we both were focused on making sure that that relationship uh, on air was good and that the chemistry was right. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of us were focused on that. And she doesn't have an ego, and I like to think that I don't have an ego. And mm-hmm. when you've got two people that are working and trying to work on a chemistry together and you don't have an ego... Things generally go quite well for you, I've, I've found, and we were both yeah. focused on that from the start. It wasn't like who's going to be the boss, who's going to decide to tell anyone to do what. It wasn't like that. Yeah, an equal and now, partnership. And the, yeah, now I, I, when we're sitting there together, we mightn't have an idea of what we're going to say coming out of the story, but I, she'll say something, and I'll immediately kind of feel I know the rhythm of where she's mm-hmm. going to go, and all, she's she has a beautiful, predictable rhythm to it. Mm. It takes it takes a while to get there, right, with a co-host. It totally does. Yeah. It totally does. And you get exposed very quickly on television because mm-hmm. you're giving off little signals with your body language and you through your eyes and through tiny pauses and facial expressions that you can't necessarily detect on radio. Mm-hmm. But on TV, you're True. very exposed yeah. visually. 
Well, you've done very well at both, haven't you? You've, I, f- I feel like you're at the top of your game in both mediums at the moment. I think I've been lucky because I'm, I'm blessed with a limited amount of talent, but I think I've been uh, lucky because I, I've, I've found myself, and I, I actually think my, I've been lucky with my hope, with people that I've worked with. I've never worked by myself, mm. and I don't ever want to work with myself. Oh, that's a very and generous thing to say. And I like to think that I'm a, I'm a team person yeah, yeah. in my heart, so I want it to work. Oh, well, long may it continue. I, f- I feel like it's um, a combination of, um, I mean, you're being very humble, but a combination of like just hard work and being nice as well. It's amazing how, fa- how far you can get if you... There's not a lot of hard work. I mean, hard work with... If you talk to people who work yeah, with me, you realise there's no, not a lot of hard work. No, no, no. But, you know, hard, working harder than other people necessarily <laughs> in the same industry. Being turning up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I have taken up enough of your time. We'll just end with some quick-fire running questions, and then I'll, um, I'll leave sure. you to it. Okay, what do you listen to when you run? I know you said uh, on today's run you nothing. Nothing today. Normally music. Uh, normally my Spotify Discover Weekly, which always throws some interesting things up at me. And, uh, and uh, this year or last year has been a lot about disco. So really? A, a huge Why? Lot of disco. Like 70s disco? 70s, early 80s, Sister Sledge. Um, just yeah, I, I somehow random. got going on disco, and then my the Discovery Weeklies realised that I just love it. Obviously, <laughs> I find disco good to good to run to. What's your f- favourite place to run? Favourite place to run, urban environments, mm-hmm. uh, and or and or um, by the sea. Right. Yeah. Oh, we're blessed around here, aren't we? In, oh, uh, in Auckland, there's so many. Yeah, I, I see you often on the um, on the boardwalk by uh, West Haven Marina under Love the Auckland Harbour Bridge. Yeah. Love the West Haven boardwalk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite shoe? What are you normally running? I've got. I operate three different shoes um, at any given time because I, I found that wearing the same shoe all the time gives you injuries. So I've got a pair of uh, New Balance. I've got a pair of uh, Adidas. And I've got a pair of what's those ones that you've got? They're called Hokers. 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 Oh my god! But the Hokers are not working for the Hokers. I think gave me a calf injury. They really? just went right for my my terrible running style where I shuffle. I've got a terrible shuffle. That's odd because it's um. I got given a pair of Hokers for free. Before that, I, I hadn't. Uh, where's your family off to? I don't, I don't know. Where are you going? Let me just quickly. Oh, nice, nice. Um, oh, that's a shame about the Hokers. Yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of Hokers, and they sent me a free pair. And then um, I was like, "Wow, this is a game changer! It's like the most supportive shoe there is." And then you go to like a an international marathon, like in New York or London or whatever, and where there's a lot of um, sort of middle aged runners, and you you see them everywhere. Just is that to right? see them. Yeah. Okay. So do you always wear those now? Yeah, I love Hokers. Yeah, so much so much support, which um, I think is important when you get a bit older. Yeah. But uh, if they're not working, I mean, you you just got to go with what's working for you. Though, yeah, you, you? got to go with what's working for you. I, when I look down at them, I feel like it makes me look like I've got a club foot. Mm. But I mean, I don't know. That's just how I feel. Um, do you prefer to run alone or with other people? Always alone. Yeah, yeah. Don't like running with people. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, actually. I mean, there is um, there is a real good sense of community if, if if that's what you're into and you want to meet people through running. But yeah, as we were talking about before, I find it's a good time to rake over those coals. Well, that way I can decide the run that I'm going to do. I can decide the pace, the pace that I'm going to do it at. And for me, that's that's kind of what it's about. Otherwise, I mean, I have run with people and enjoyed it, mm. but I don't really have people. I run in the middle of the, well, I run at about 10 or 11 in the morning and there's nobody, everyone mm. else seems to be at work at that time. So I'm kind of have to run by myself anyway. Yeah. The problem with running with anyone else, I think, is that um, someone's always going to be running faster than what they want to and someone's going to be running slower than what they want yeah, to. Yeah, generally. Do you prefer um, summer or winter, hot or cold for running? Uh, definitely winter. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm not a big fan of running in, and especially in Auckland in 
summer, like yesterday I went for a run, it was about 12 o'clock by the time I started running. It's like, oh, humidity is intense. So it's a tough yeah. time to run at the moment, actually. What's the worst injury you've had? Uh, I've had a weird knee injury that that's kind of lingers around. I don't even know quite what it is, but it's disappeared at the moment. Generally, when I change shoes, it sort of disappears. Right. But sometimes I just run through it. For a while there, I just had a shockingly painful knee. And then I had a calf injury recently, but apart from that, I haven't really had a lot of injuries. Yeah, you've been lucky. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like a lot of it's got to do with um genetics. Like a lot of people will say to you, if you run, you know, you, you, your knees are definitely going to blow out, or your hips going to blow out. But in my experience, not necessarily. Yeah, well, where's the science on running now? Because it's always sort of flips around. People mm. say a lot of the time it gives you arthritis. Uh, I was reading something the other day, and it was saying no, it definitely does not give you arthritis. In fact you're less likely to have arthritis if you run because you're using your joints more. And your, But I guess there's different types of running. There's there's very, very long distance running, which yeah. is very hard on the body. And there's you know shorter distances and there's running too much. I, I think, as I said earlier on, I just think the main thing is that you've got to listen to your body. Mm. And when something's not quite going right or you're in a bit of pain, I think at that point just take it easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with rest days. No. Nothing wrong with it. You've got to give the body time to recover. No. Well, Matt Heath, of course, made that um, rule with himself in 2020, 2020, I think it was, where he ran every single day for the entire year. <laughs> what, like, what's, the, what's the distance? Do you have a minimum? Like 5K a day? Or, right, yeah, At least yeah. 5Ks. And one day we'd been up for like, we had like two hours sleep, and he's still doing his 5K run. He came back looking like a cadaver. It was just horrific. He, for someone that's so smart, he 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 is capable of doing some dumb shit, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And um, run as high is it real or a myth? Uh, I think it's real. Yeah, I think it's real. I always feel better after I've been for a run. I don't know what's going on in there, but I there's nothing for me better than when you're fit. You know, when you're fit. Yeah. And um and and you and everything feels good. You've eaten the right food the day mm. before by mistake or whatever. And then that day, uh, you're running and you're running along and you're running along the flat and you're not puffing. Mm. That for me is a great feeling because I, I just feel so good in those situations. Yeah, you know when you're properly fit. Uh, normally, it, it's, it takes a while to get to that mm. point. And normally, I've pushed myself a little bit and and say maybe the two weeks before then and yeah. then just pulled back a little bit, but. Just lovely when you're running and, and not puffing. And it feels effortless. Yeah, you, yeah. you have days like that. Not always. Some, no. days, some days it feels hard. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. And just the feeling you get when you're in the shower afterwards, or just for a couple of hours after a run, you just feel amazing, right? Yeah. Do you shower after you run, do you? Mm, tend to. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Straight yeah. after? Yeah. Cold, what you... cold shower? No, 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 warmish. What, you, what do you sweat, mean? Sweat for the rest of the day? What are you doing? Well, when do you shower after you run? Well, I'm always cold. Right, right. I, I go for the plunge pool. Right. Particularly good in winter. It then just kind of knocks the sweat off. Right. Um, and then I'll have a shower later on. But if I shower after the thing, I just start sweating even more. Right. Maybe that's why you've gone through two T-shirts in the time that we've been <laughs> talking. <laughs> it is a very clammy day. That's, so is it's it dried up well, actually. Uh, that, is, that a, is that a running No, it's that just, a, just a Lululemon. All right. Um, <laughs> Jeremy, you, you're one of the nicest guys ever. I can't imagine you ever 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 being a dick to anyone. Oh, thank you. That's a that's a very nice thing. That's embarrassing for me, but that's a very that's a really nice thing to say. Yeah, and uh, you deserve all the success that you're experiencing at the moment. And long may it continue. Oh, thank you very much. Might be over tomorrow. Always waiting to be cancelled. <laughs> that's it, Jeremy Wells. What a guy, eh? Hope you enjoyed that. Thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. 
Thank you very much for Triumph and Disaster for jumping on board and sponsoring this podcast. We'll see you guys again soon. Any feedback, get it to me, domharveynz at gmail.com or on Instagram, domharveynz. Thanks, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.